Welcome to the Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner, and today my guest is Heather Fork. Heather is a physician coach, and she's going to tell us what that means, what kind of certification a physician coach should really have, and how you know whether you need a physician coach. But before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, CompHealth. If you're a physician looking for a new job or considering locum tenens for the first time, check out CompHealth. I've worked locums with CompHealth. I appreciate the personalized experience with a recruiter dedicated to my specialty who knows my needs and goals. CompHealth also offers full-time permanent jobs if you're looking for a longer-term switch. For more information, check out comphealth.com. And now, without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Dr. Heather Fork. Heather, great to see you again. It's fantastic to see you, Andrew. I am a big fan of yours, and I'm truly honored to be here. So you listen to the podcast, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All yes. right. Terrific. Yes. Do, you, do you listen on Apple or Google or Spotify or Stitcher or iHeart? Apple. Where? Apple. Apple. All right. Yes. I, mm -hmm. I, I looked at my stats about half half the listeners listen on Apple. And of course, mm -hmm. you can watch it on YouTube and, uh, you know, see uh, see us almost in person. Well, today, you know, I, I think I first interviewed you about a couple, two, three, maybe four years, two years, three years ago on Medscape because I, oh, right. I just mm -hmm. started to bump into this physician coaching phenomenon. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and more and more I've been stumbling on physician coaching. Mm -hmm. So you have been a physician coach for how long? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So it's not new for you. Well, why don't you tell us how that happened? And then we're going to talk about who needs a physician coach. You could give us some examples of, you know, doctors you've coached and what mm -hmm. happened, but how did it all get started? Once upon a time, you know, um, I was a dermatologist and I didn't really know it at the time, but the seeds were planted early. When I was in practice, I started going to these different courses that teach you how to do things to change parts of your own life. Uh, change how to change yourself by changing your handwriting was one of them. And I also started studying personality types and learning the Enneagram. And then I would come back from these courses and then I would get my esthetician or one of my friends to go through this 40 day process of making changes in their own life. And I didn't call it coaching. I don't think I really knew what coaching was, but I loved doing it. So then I ended up leaving dermatology after nine years. And I've talked about my story a lot, so I won't belabor it here, but just the punchline is that it really wasn't the best fit for me, even though I liked it, the practice was successful. I love being a coach. I don't think um, I loved being a doctor in the sense of being the person dispensing all of this information. I like finding out answers from other people. So when I left dermatology, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I left without a plan because I thought I needed some time to figure it out. And I went out into the country, I lived in the cabin. And then when I was ready to get back into the working world, I just made that declaration, I'm going to 
figure it out. And in two weeks, I knew that I wanted to become a coach just by listening to this um, thing called the passion test, which helps you figure out how you want to live your ideal life. And when I was taking this passion test, I I just stopped in the middle, I threw it up in the air, and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to help other people have a life that's really meaningful for them. And that's when I started researching coaching programs. Just like a physician, you wanted to help people, but in a slightly different uh, way. Yes, exactly. Did you use a physician coach along the way to get to that kind of eureka moment? No, I didn't. I, I bought that book when I left practice, What Color Is Your Parachute? Uh-huh. I read the first page and that was it. And after uh, when I went to coaching, uh, and then when I did my coaching program in certification, you have to have your own coach. And so I hired a coach at that time and she happened to be a physician coach. And I'd already decided that I wanted to help physicians, but she helped me get my business started. But it's in terms of figuring out the what I was going to do, it took being out with a cactus in the hill country, living near Willie Nelson. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but just, I think, following my heart in doing things that interested me that weren't necessarily going to lead to a job. Somehow, I think that reconnected me with my true purpose. So aligning your personality with your profession is... Yeah. So Heather, you started out as a physician coach 12 years ago. Can can you give me an example of you know, I don't want you to reveal any identities, but give me an example of, of physicians who uh, had a problem who you who you helped. You know, how, how do I know, for example, if, if I need a physician coach? Can you speak to that? Absolutely. That's a great topic. And I'd say the physicians who come to me for help end up following in a number of different categories. And I'd say sort of the first category are those physicians who are new attendings. So they're in that time when you're having to be responsible for the patient, There's the buck stops with you. And that's when a lot of the imposter syndrome can come in, self-doubt, lack of confidence. So I've worked with a number of physicians, whether they're surgeons or psychiatrists or clinicians, to figure out if this thing, this insecurity that they're feeling means that medicine isn't really the right fit or they just need to get more confidence. And so I have a number of physicians who really were wanting me to explore non-clinical options with them. But when we worked together, I discovered that that heart for medicine was still there. They, they really wanted to help patients. And we worked with the anxiety and the imposter syndrome. And it doesn't really take that long. Usually within three to four months, they're doing really well. And so that's really encouraging to see. Is a big part of it just knowing that this is a syndrome and that other people have it and it's kind of a expected or common phase? Just is that reassurance make a difference, do you think? Oh, that's huge uh, because a lot of them think it's just them. And then when they talk to other people, which they might even talk to partners or colleagues, they're usually told this is normal it will get better. So that's helpful, but they still need some strategies to work with that anxiety when it gets on the driver's seat, because if you don't find a way to stop it, it gets worse. 
Now, uh, how do you know when, when you have a client and you're discussing something like that, when they need more of a therapist than a coach? It's kind of gray to me where that line is between, you know, coaching and improving your life. You mentioned anxiety. I mean, that's a kind of a mental health symptom. It's also a normal part of life. So for you as a coach, how do you decide, you know, this is great coaching you, but, but you need more help. <laughs> how do you come, how do you do that? Uh, that's a, that's a really powerful question. And some of my clients are working with a therapist concurrently. And that can be really helpful. Sure. Well, that takes the mm -hmm. pressure off. Yeah. To, yeah. And, and they're, they're additive in a way. But in coaching, if I'm working with someone who doesn't have a therapist and I feel like they're not able to make some changes pretty quickly and how they're feeling and responding to things, that's when I would suggest a therapist. Now, I was I, the imposter syndrome. It's pretty kind. Give me an example of a strategy. You said you need strategies. Can can you give me a, a tangible? Okay, I'm feeling nervous now. I'm making rounds. I've never really done this before. Mm. I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm really not sure. So now what? What what's my strategy? Well, you gave a great example there because so much of it it is uh, controlling your thoughts. As often there's there's all these thoughts that are interfering that are telling you you're not good enough, What do you? who do you think you are, that you're, someone's gonna find out that you just got here by a fluke, and then they start thinking of worst case scenarios, like, oh, it's it's probably a headache, but you know, it could be a brain tumor, it could be this, you know all about these things, and they're scaring themselves. So a lot of it is starting to learn how to control your thoughts. There's also some techniques I do with visualizations where you see that part of you that's anxious outside of you, it sounds kind of funky, but that way you're not the anxious part. And there's ways that you can help that part of you. It you is smack it them is around, therapeutic. <laughs> you, but but I found that to be one of the most effective um, approaches when they learn to be able to be the confident self while that part is having trouble, so they can help it. And that whole term of self help can be a misnomer when you're the one having the problem. I like that. I like that kind of a separate, uh, you know, like the like the little devil on your shoulder. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a kind of a mm -hmm. separate entity that you can mm -hmm. address. Now, when when people call themselves, I, I mean, anybody can call themselves a coach, yes. but there, there is various certifying agencies, and you know, I don't know anything about those. It's like you see all these initials. Which which ones? Well, which one do you have, for example? You know, and which ones would you say are like legitimate that one should look for when searching for a coach? The certifying body that's the most established one is the International Coaching Federation. It's also known as the ICF. And they accredit it. They accredit the coaching programs and they accredited the one that I went to. So when you when you choose a coaching program that's already been approved by the ICF, then it's much easier if you want to get additional quote unquote certifications after your name. Uh, they, that's where I got my master's of coaching certification, the MCC, but I couldn't get that until I had done 2,500 hours of coaching already. Let, let and, me stop there because uh, I'm going to interrupt you because, you know, some people say, oh yeah, I'm a coach. I took a weekend class. So it was 2,500 
hours. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I don't know. I have to figure out how long that took, but it must be at least a year, right, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. study to to get that number. So it's not. And is that something you have to do full time, or could you be working while you're getting your coaching, or do you really have to throw yourself into it, like you know, going to college? Right. And just to make a distinction, you can become a, a certified coach by doing a training program and doing a minimum of 100 coaching hours. That'll give you get you the associate certified coach, the ACC, that level. And so you can do that training while you're still working a full-time job. You just need to have some bandwidth. So you could become, quote-unquote, a certified coach while you're still working a, a pretty busy job. I added on the master's in coaching certification, so that's what required an additional 2,500 hours. Plus, you have to do these video, rec- you have to do these recorded sessions with your clients that then go to the ICF, and they have all these measures that you have to hit and accurately do a coaching session according to their criteria. And I spent about a year doing the training for that and working on it, and. But I learned so much from it. Okay. Well, I think, you know, it's like for airline pilots, you know, there's, there are pilots who, who are certified as private pilots. You can easily certify with a hundred hours, but, but that's a lot different than the pilot that has 2,500 hours. At least if you're taking me as a passenger, you know, (laughs) I I know which one that, that I want. So uh, you've taken this, uh, I would say, as a, a pretty uh, serious career move to get your master's, 2,500 hours. And, and also, I think that's an interesting experience to share your uh, consultations. I mean, that's kind of nerve wracking, particularly when it's on video, because it doesn't go away. If you just had someone sitting in the room or watching through, you know, one way glass, you know, at least it goes, it's all over, but the video never goes away. So uh, you get to your mistakes are memorialized there for forever. And, uh, and I guess you had to uh, let your clients know <laughs> that they were. Oh, yeah. And actually, I, I, it was on the phone. <laughs> I said video first, but it was on the telephone. And yes, you had to get written permission. And then they, they destroy those recordings after they. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. really, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would say, though, that there are different programs that are not under the ICF auspices. So there are good coaching programs that have their own uh, bodies that, you know, that determine whether it's a certification that you get or not. The life coaching school is one that's not under the ICF, but I think it's a really good program. So I would say for people, I wouldn't get too hung up at this point on whether you're going to get certified or not. I think if you're interested, the best thing to do is just find a good program where they do a lot of actual coaching, where you get to practice these skills and get feedback versus didactic lectures about coaching, which won't really teach you that much, to first see how you like it. And Mm. if you like it, you know, really consider about certification. Now, I probably interrupted you. You were telling us about the several categories of your clients, one being those with anxiety and imposter syndrome. Yeah. What, what are the other categories? Who comes but to say, you? Yeah, the next category are physicians who've been practicing for a number of years and they're burnt out. And again, they're still not sure whether they need to find a better clinical situation or add in something of interest or if they really need to transition to a non-clinical job. 
So I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of these physicians, and some of them are able to stay in medicine and be happy, and that could be changing to a different practice. They might, some of them have even opened up their own practice, or they've cut back on their hours and they add in something like writing or even a side business just to feel like they're learning and still growing. And then another big group transition completely into non-clinical careers. You know, all the big areas, pharma, medical writing, physician advising, consulting. I have some have gone into coaching. Some have gone into different ones you don't really hear about, like finance or graphic design, or I have a client who bought a dessert franchise. So there's quite a number of things you can do. Well, I always uh, tout locum tenens, you know, and we've talked about this for those physicians who not happy with their current clinical career, but really don't want or not sure if they want a non-clinical career. So locum tenens is kind of a, you know, working part-time or different places, a way to kind of reinvigorate your clinical practice for uh, physicians who don't want to abandon that aspect of their lives. Uh, any other categories that your clients fall into? Uh, there are some who aren't sure whether they really are meant to keep practicing medicine. So what they may do is take a break and do locums like you mentioned. I think that's a wonderful way to keep the clinical door open, explore different opportunities, and also be able to have some bandwidth and recover because a lot of them are really burnt out mm. and they don't want to be working all the time. And so I've ha I have a couple surgeons who have stepped back from crazy practices and they've really discovered, I, I really love caring for patients. I want to keep using these skills, but they find a situation that's more flexible for them. And sometimes when they, when they step away, they discover, you know, I had a great run. I love my patients, but I really want to learn something new, do something different. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of coaching. So suppose I call you and say, you know, Heather, I'm burned out. I don't know what to do. You know, life is great, but, you know, it kind of sucks. And I, I'm just confused. What do I do next? And uh, so you say, okay, well, let's have a chat. And then what happens then, you know, how long is our relationship going to, going to last? How often do we connect? You know, how much is it going to cost? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, some kind of ballpark idea that if I do kind of hire a coach, mm -hmm. what, what am I getting myself into? Ah, uh, that's a great question because coaching is not familiar to a lot of people, even though it's been around for a while. Well, I know everybody's process is different, but for me, after that initial session, if they want to work with me, we usually do about a five to six month coaching program. And they'll meet with me about every two to three weeks. There's homework in between. They can contact me by email. I'm very available. And we go through process. So if I were to work with you, <laughs> uh, we'd really look at what's working and what's not working in your situation. And then we make that decision of, do we, do you want to explore options? And even when I have physicians who it's pretty clear they want to stay clinical, exploring options is really helpful. Then they know later on, if this feel, these feelings come back, I, I feel like I'm not trapped and it takes a lot of pressure off. 
So depending on where they're going, then we start looking into these options. And if they want to make a change, then comes working on the resume, the LinkedIn profile, doing interview prep. And I, I, I walk them through the whole process. I love being sort of a tour guide in this different landscape. So it doesn't feel like bushwhacking at night without a compass. <laughs> um, I will, will do interview practice and then I help them when they're negotiating and then in that first job. So I have a lot of clients who've done that whole arc and Sometimes it takes a little bit less time. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time. In terms of the cost, coaches vary. Some charge by the hour, some charge by the package. I'd say typically to do a real program with a coach, you're going to be looking at between five to $10,000. And one way to think about it is not the hours that you're talking to that person, but the transformation that they're bringing you. Because if you think if you're burnt out, you're miserable, you're crying on the way to work, you're coming home and you're being the kind of person you don't want to be for your family, is 10000 worth it for you to be happy again? So that's, that's a typical range. Now, some, some coaches charge by the hour, which there's something to understand about this because when clients see the hourly rate, it can seem really high, but one of the things is a coach is spending usually three to four times that number of hours unpaid. So if they're charging $300 for an hour, which to us can seem like a lot, they're usually making less than 100 an hour because all the stuff we do behind the scenes takes a lot of time and it's not compensated. Sure. And, uh, and of course, even though you're only meeting every few weeks, I don't know if I had a session with you, for example, I would keep it in my mind, you know, mm -hmm. so that during the day I'd say, well, you know, what would Heather think about this? Or what am I going to tell Heather next time? So it's not just that hour we're going to have on, on the phone or, or on Zoom that it's, that it's a process, you know, and $10,000 won't even buy you a sports car. So mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, in, enhancing your life, it's certainly, uh, you know, a sizable chunk of cash, but if it's going to make a difference, mm -hmm. you know, in, in your future, um, well, here, I'll just throw this out. Have you ever had a client who after six months who just said, Heather, this was like a total waste of time? <laughs> Thankfully, I have not had that experience. All right. So that hasn't yeah. happened. Yeah, and you've had no. hundreds and hundreds of clients. So it looks like mm -hmm. the process does help people. And I suppose some might just go back to do what they were doing, but with a little mm -hmm. more uh, enlightenment, yes. I could see mm -hmm. how that could happen and sort of, well, you know, I really didn't have it so bad. And I've looked at these other options and, mm -hmm. you know, if I tweak the system a little bit and uh, certainly that's what I've been doing personally over the years, it's just trying to tweak, you know, the positions that I get so that yeah, they, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, work for me, but I haven't had the the benefit of a coach mm -hmm. might've made it easier. All right. Well, we're just about ready to wrap up. Is there anything you'd like to add before we close? Sure. Thank you, Andrew. This has been lovely. I would say if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, there's so many coaches, like, should I even bother trying? I would say, think about all the diet books and people who help with weight loss. And if someone said, I'm not going to write a diet book because there are already these ones out there on the shelf, there's too many. You know, they'd lose the help that you were going to give them. 
And there's always room for someone doing something well that helps. And if you think about this three-legged stool of a successful coaching practice, if you meet, if you can do these three things, you can have a great business. So the first leg is that there's a pain point that clients, potential clients are searching on at 2 a.m. on Google for help and that they're willing to pay to have some help. The second leg of the stool is that you have a solution. You have a way to help them and you know you can do it. The third leg is that they can find you because you can be the best coach in the world, but if they don't know about you or you can't distinguish what you do and how you help them, then they're not going to be, you're not going to be able to help them the way they need to be helped. So if you can do those three things, it doesn't matter how many coaches there are already or what they're doing, because you can coach anybody in the whole world. Thanks for that, Heather. Now you do have a podcast, which is one way for people to find you. Is it called uh, the doctor's crossing or something like that? (laughs) The doctor's crossing carpe diem podcast. All right. And uh, how would uh, someone find you at 2 a.m.? Google Doctors Crossing or my name, Heather Fork. You'll find the website. There are lots of free resources, including the podcast. Just go to the freebie tab and there's different things that you can download, including a starter kit to help you when you're at the crossroads and you don't know which way to turn. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, I'll put those uh, resources, uh, a link in the uh, show notes. Well, Heather Fork, I want to thank you very much for appearing on The Art of Medicine. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Dr. Wilner. And you look great in that color, by the way. Hey, that's terrific. (laughs) You rock it. Well, before we close, I'd like to give another thanks to our sponsor, CompHealth. At CompHealth, you can talk with a recruiter who knows your specialty and will actually get to know you and your goals. Consider starting your personalized job search at CompHealth.com. Again, that's CompHealth.com. Heather, thanks so much. Thank you, Andrew. Have a great day. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The art of medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe. www.andrewwilner.com